0: Well, the, uh, the cool weather reminds us that we are finally uh, in autumn, but that we are knee-deep in football season. And I think that, that Clemson and Carolina, respectively, are the worst 4-2 and two and 4-3 and three teams in the country. But we'll take it. You know, I think when we watch those games, there should be a warning label that says, warning, watching this product will shorten your life or something. You know. But have you ever taken time to, to read warning labels? You know, sometimes they're pretty obvious, uh, but and they're there for a reason, but sometimes uh, the warning labels leave you kind of scratching your head. Here's an example of some, some warning labels that really exist. There's on, on a bar of dial soap, it says, directions, use like regular soap. So I'm not real sure what non-regular soap is, but use it like regular soap. Uh, There's a tiramisu dessert, and printed on the bottom of the box, says this, do not turn upside down. (laughs) So, of course, obviously, you have to turn it upside down to read that, right? So, hopefully, no one has done that. Uh, There's a a bread pudding maker, and on the box, it says, the product uh, will be hot after heating. (laughs) So, there's a Korean kitchen knife that says, warning, keep out of children. So I don't know why that's on there, but there's a string of Chinese-made Christmas lights that says for indoor or outdoor use only. So whatever, whatever the third door is, don't use it there. I don't know. Japanese food processor says not to be used for the other use. I don't know what that would be, but I don't wanna be a part of it. And on Sainsbury's Peanuts, warning contains nuts, so as we would say, but some dangers, you know, they seem obvious, seem obvious, but then there are many dangers that just are not obvious, and we're going to see today how, how God is at work in our lives to protect us from many times the hidden dangers of life. We're in 1 Samuel uh, 18 today, and we have a long passage, so today, before we pray, I'm just going to read uh, verse 20, starting at verse 20 uh, through 30. Scripture says, now Saul's daughter Michal loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul thought, let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a a second time, you shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private, and say, behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then, become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? Verse 24. And the servants of Saul told him thus, and so did David speak. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul fought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michal for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship you today. Uh, we thank you that there are things that happen in our lives there's dangers possibly lurking around the corners many times that you protect us from. do you send your angels to protect us, we see your guiding hand in these matters. And today as we look at how you were working in the life of David, your future king, how you protected him, because protecting him was a part of your will, it was a part of your plan for your country, Israel, Lord, your nation. So Father, let us see what you would like us to see in this passage today, even concerning our own lives. By how many times you are protecting us from the hidden dangers of life. And let us trust you, knowing that every day, that you're guiding us and protecting us. Lord, I pray that my words are yours today, that you fill me with your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want you to see three truths about God's work in our lives when there are hidden dangers we can't quite see. Three truths about God's work in our lives when there are hidden dangers that we can't quite see. Number one, God protects us from hidden dangers. God often is protecting us from hidden dangers. Verse 17 of chapter 18 says, Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Mirath. I will give her to you for a wife. Now, there's several things going on here. First, Saul had previously promised that whoever would kill Goliath or could kill Goliath would earn one of his daughters, one of the king's daughters for marriage. Well, as we know, David then killed Goliath. And so it was customary for the oldest daughter to marry first. So Saul offers Merab to him. Well, there's another issue that isn't explicitly mentioned here, but it is later on in the passage, and that is the issue of a dowry. Now, what is a dowry? Some of you may know what a dowry is. It was an ancient custom. It's still practiced in some countries today. It was used when, when two families would join their children together in marriage. And the dowry was the bride price. It was kind of like a payment for the bride. It was almost like an insurance payment in, some, in, in case somebody backed out or in case uh, the, uh, something didn't, didn't work right with the wedding ceremony. And it was a sign of commitment from the prospective husband. So the, in the case a man couldn't afford— to give his future father-in-law a dowry, uh, he could work it off in some way. And so we see Jacob doing this, working it off for seven years, and then another seven years in Genesis, that was what he was doing. So Saul knew good and well that David could not afford a dowry for the king's daughter. Who could afford a dowry for the king's daughter? You know, not many people could. So Saul offers David to work off the dowry by, by fighting for the kingdom. And he says here in verse 17, Just be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. Saul was hoping that David would be killed in battle. Saul knew that he couldn't directly kill David because the people would know and the people loved him. So he had set up this scheme. He says here in verse 17, for Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So this was kind of his plan, but but David didn't really bite on the plan. He didn't really really go for it. Look at verse 18. And David said to Saul, who am I and who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, and that I should be son-in-law to the king? Now scholars believe this is written in a way that David missed the hint about working it off. Maybe he's just saying, hey, fight my battles for me. He was already serving Saul in the military, so he didn't understand maybe Saul was saying specifically, go and fight them. So he just simply denied the request, presumably because he knew he couldn't afford to marry his daughter. So she marries another man, verse 19. At the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Mehalethite, for a wife. So we see David displaying kind of a certain youthful innocence in the face of imminent danger isn't it wonderful when you had that youthful innocence you didn't really know what was going around the corner and 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 David kind of said oh no I, I can't afford that no he missed the hint of the older man who was scheming against him one could make the argument that he knew that Saul was what was doing but it doesn't really make sense when you read the rest of the story so in any event God protects David from this evil scheme that was going to cost him his life now there are many promises in the Bible about God's protection for his people. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says this, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be, dread of, be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Not leave you or forsake you. That's a promise God's given his people. He never leaves us, amen? He never forsakes us. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. Why? For he has said, I will never leave nor forsake you. you know, the love of money many, many times is just this need for security, this need to be able to trust in something. And He's saying, just be content with your life. Because God has said, I will never leave nor forsake. So we see in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament that God tells his people this. We can live throughout our day with a peaceful attitude that God is protecting us from things we don't even know anything about. Yet we know it may not be His will to protect us maybe in the ways we always think. Sometimes God may bring trials in our life to purify us. At these times, we should count it joy because God allows us. Look at James 1. Verse 2, he says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Steadfastness is another word of of perseverance, right? You know, the Gamecocks and Tigers have learned a lot about perseverance this year, haven't they? Stay in, and, and maybe you'll win. Maybe the other team will miss a field goal at the end of the game, or, or maybe your, your your backup quarterback, who's 34 years old, will come in and score a touchdown pass, and you know, and something a miracle will happen. The trials in life can be good because it produces perseverance in us. Protecting us from such trials would not be beneficial to us. But generally speaking, we can see how God promises to protect us often from dangers we know nothing about. So we are to trust him even more so in our daily lives, knowing that he is guiding us and protecting us. So number one, we see that he often protects us. Number two, we're going to see that God often equips us for the hidden dangers. He equips us for dangers we don't even know that we need to be equipped for to deal with. Saul had another daughter we already read this section verse 20 Saul's daughter Michal loved David who didn't love David everyone loved David you would have loved David I would have loved David Michal loved David and they told Saul and the thing pleased him and Saul thought let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So, you know, typically when, when, you, when you get married, you know, I did a wedding yesterday. When you get married, uh, the, the father-in-law is, is, is thankful and, and hopeful and, and gives the daughter away. And usually he's not hoping that the daughter will be a snare for the future son-in-law. Yeah. But this was Saul's wish, that he may be a snare. So Saul said to David a second time, you shall now be my son-in-law. Verse 22, Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private and say to him, behold, the king has delight in you, which is a lie. It's a lie. David doesn't know this. He's in danger and doesn't know it. And all his servants love you. That was probably true. Now then become the king's son-in-law. Verse 23, and Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David and and David again says, does it seem, or thinks this, met this, this, this thought, does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law? I'm a poor man and, and have no reputation. Now, we know that he wasn't poor, poor, but, but compared to King David, he, or Saul, he certainly was. He clearly explains kind of his reticence to marry one of the daughters. There's no way he can afford the dowry, verse 24. And so the servants of Saul t- told him, Thus and so did David speak, and Saul said, Thus shall you say to David. So he gets a little more explicit now. He didn't get the hint the first time. So he says this. Tell David this. The king desires no bride price, no dowry, except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, so that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. If you have to go out, and collect the 100 foreskins, which means you're gonna to have to kill those men. And so, surely David's not gonna be able to go through 100 men, right? So, that's, that's what you have to do. Now, since circumcision was, was the sign of the covenant between God and Israel, uses, Saul uses this as a, a kind of a twisted way, kind of a twisted way to show this would be an honoring thing. To God. But 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 David was was all for it. He 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 agrees with it. Look at verse 26. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. And before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed two hundred of the Philistines. Now, mentioned earlier that because Saul could not be in David's presence anymore because of his jealousy and fear of David. He put him over a thousand men. So he was the commander of a thousand men, and they were loyal to David. So maybe Saul forgot the fact that when you ask David to go do something, he's got a thousand men with him. So it wasn't David going around with himself with a knife, it was David and his cavalry. So it would not be difficult for David and his men to take out 100 Philistines. So David goes even further, the overachiever, and gives him 200. God had equipped David for this time. See, David had a cushy role in the palace. That's where he thought he would be. And Saul said, no, you're going to be out in the field in the army. I'll put you over a thousand men. You're going to be fighting battles for me. And then he gives them this dowry, this bride price, and God has equipped David with this thousand soldiers. So it was was nothing for him to go out and use these men and get the so-called dowry. God had equipped David for this time, this danger he knew nothing about. He had equipped him for it. The author of Hebrews has a prayer about equipping believers. Look what he says in chapter 13 of Hebrews. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may this God, verse 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. That's the prayer for the believer, that God will equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God wants to equip you, and that's, that's the believer's prayer for each other, that whatever our will is to do God's will, he equips us to do it. God's called you to work the nursery, he's going to equip you with it. God's called you to play the organ, he's going to equip you with it. God's called you to preach or teach. He's going to equip you with it. God's called you to to serve people that need serving, to to work with the homeless. He's going to equip you with it. It's his will in your life. He's not going to put you out somewhere where you're not equipped. And this is what he did for David. The same God who brought back the Lord Jesus from the dead can equip you to face any danger and it tells in verse 27 and david brought their foreskins which were given in full number to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law and saul gave him his daughter Mikael for a wife so saul's plan was foiled again again perhaps he had forgotten that that david had now amassed a small army loyal to him the Spirit of God was with David so much that Saul couldn't bear to be around him, so his jealousy backfired as he sent him out to the field. And we see God equipping David in his job change, to be able to be successful from this danger which he had no idea that would be, would be taken place. David went from being in the palace to being put out on an island in the wilderness with a thousand men. What was meant to be a punishment for David became a blessing. What was meant to be a snare for David, God used as a blessing. And they, so, they, so they celebrated with him his engagement to Saul, and David and all his thousand soldiers that loved David, that, that would run through a wall for David. And they celebrated it. Verse 28. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul so that his name was highly esteemed. And sometimes we may have a change in life that doesn't seem all that great to us. David's probably didn't seem all that great at the time. Maybe it's a job change that doesn't seem like it's for the better. Maybe it's a relationship failure. Things seem like they will never get better. But many times these, what look like to us, step backs can be times where God blesses us in the future and even protects us from possible dangers that we know nothing about. God is always working behind the scenes. Look at Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things, not some things, not a few things, not 10% of things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Many times God can use what happens to us As opportunities to protect us from unknown things, unknown dangers, and use us to increase not only our success, but his glory. So God often equips us to deal with hidden dangers. And finally, number three, God often reveals to us these hidden dangers. God often reveals to us these hidden dangers. Look at verse 1 of chapter 19. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. So these schemes didn't work. So Saul just brings it in. Brings in his servants. All right, listen up. It's time for you to to kill David. Take David out. Jonathan, Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. He had made a covenant with David, a friendship, a bond. Saul thought he had a loyal group of servants. And many times when someone is concocting a scheme maybe they overlooked the loyalty of those surrounding them and we see this with Saul he overlooked the loyalty of his own son who had a covenant with David that was more binding than even their father-son relationship what did Jonathan do we went right to David verse 2 Jonathan told David Saul my father seeks to kill you therefore be on your guard in the morning stay in a secret place and hide yourself and i will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and i will speak to my father about you and if i learn anything i will tell you surely jonathan knew that his father was losing his mind that he had a demon and his covenant bound him to protect david look what luke 8 says jesus says no one after lighting a lamp Covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Just Jesus says that just as a believer can't hide the gospel's influence in their life, so God's truth cannot be hidden. Amen. God's truth has a way of coming to light for his purposes. And God's purpose for David was to not be harmed, but to be used to glorify God in this moment. Verse 4. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul's father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it, Dad, and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Verse 6, and Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. I guess he had a good day this day. He listened to him. And Saul swore, and I believe, it's, I believe this was what he meant at the time, although he changed his mind. He swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. Now we're going to see, moving forward, this doesn't last And next week we're we're still talking about David, we're gonna be in a new section of the series where it's all gonna be about waiting and being patient for God as we see David flee for his life and, and really wait and have to have patience. Saul's change of heart doesn't last, but at this moment, God protected David from the hidden dangers. Well, there's a missionary named David Brainerd. He was known as the apostle to the Indians and he served as a missionary to Native Americans from 1739 to 1747. And after spending three years at Yale Divinity School, Brainerd followed his call, made his way to the Indians in New York State, a particularly ferocious Indian tribe. And he arrived near their camp late one evening, and he decided to spend the night in the woods before introducing himself the next morning What he didn't realize was there were several tribesmen uh, who had been following him for hours as they noticed he was not one of them. and Once he was settled in, the scouts made their way back to their camp and they reported to the chief that they had seen this this white man in the woods. That night the Indians planned to kill Brainerd because up until now the, the white man had brought nothing to them but grief and the warriors silently drew near Brainerd. camp and they saw Brainerd on his knees praying for them and while he prayed a rattlesnake squirmed up to him lifted his head flicked its tongue close to his face while he was praying didn't know the snake was there and then for no reason glided away into the darkness this made the chief and the warriors nervous and instead of killing him they returned to their campsite. They couldn't understand why the snake didn't bite them. So they didn't kill them. So two dangers Brainerd had. He had rattlesnake and warriors. i would be more probably scared of the rattlesnake. So the next morning, young missionary woke up, no idea what the dangers he had faced was, walked into the village and received a much more cordial welcome than he had anticipated. He he anticipated spears and all kinds of things. And it wasn't until later that he learned of the, of the events of the preceding night. And when the Indians gathered around him in an open place among their wigwams and teepees and all of these things, he opened up his Bible and he read from Isaiah 53 and told the story of how God had sent his son to die on the cross that he might take away the sin from people and make them his children. And many Indians, many of uh, the tribe, Native Americans, for many years warmly received God's message. When we're doing God's work, don't ever underestimate God's protection from the hidden danger. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you so much for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you so much for protecting us in days and times we don't even realize, Lord. Especially when we're doing your work. I think of all these men and women in our church who've gone on mission trips and mission endeavors, even the ones in the, in the spring that might be in dangerous places. But we know when we're doing your work, Lord, your will is accomplished. Even though a snake might get right up in our face, Lord, if it's your will that the snake leaves, the snake leaves. So, Father, we thank you for that protection you give us. Let, let this embolden us, Lord, as we live our lives and we follow your will. Let us embolden us, Lord, to have faith in you even more so than we would normally think about, Lord. Embolden us to have faith and trust you in our daily walk. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for how he's taken our sin away, as we just heard. We thank you for for how you have given us eternal life through him, Father. So, Lord, as we close our time together today, I pray that there is one in here that's never placed their faith in Jesus, that today they would do so. That we all would walk closer to you as we realize that you're often protecting us from things we never seen. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.